Welcome to episode 31 of the Hot Esquina podcast. Yo soy tu anfitrion, your host Enrique, joined as always by my co-host Sean. We are joined in this episode by beat reporter and correspondent Jessica Kleinschmidt. We dive into the A's, their season so far, the ongoing Yankees versus A's four-game set at the Coliseum. Yankees have been hot lately, getting a big win on Paul O'Neill Day. Me personally, I'm glad they didn't let my favorite all-time Yankee down by winning on his day. They swept the Mets and had a nice little laugher yesterday. Thank you, Yankees, from all of us on the East Coast that you were able to put that one away early, by the way. <laughs> this was a fun one. We definitely enjoyed talking to Jessica. She brought a lot of insight, a lot of knowledge. We hope you enjoy it, as we certainly did. We'll be right back. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Ahí va. Por el desfile. Olvídala. Esa bola cae en la, en la calle. Esa se va. Se va. Se fue. And we're back. So, before we get to our interview with Jessica Kleinschmidt, we'd be remiss if we didn't follow through with our word and announce the winner of our caption contest. We challenged you, Yankees Twitter. We told y'all to caption the short video of Nestor popping up in between Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo. You guys came through with a lot of quote tweets, a lot of replies. We thank everyone that participated, but now it's time to announce the winner. And the winner of the caption contest from me and Sean is Keo who goes on Twitter by at Keo underscore Marie SX3. She said, Booney said y'all can go out, but you have to take me with you. And I got to tell you, Sean, that one made me laugh because if you look at it, man, it's, it's funny. You have these two big dudes just talking and here comes little Nestor average size nester he looks little compared to them popping up in between them and it kind of does look like the little brother saying hey mom and dad said you guys can go but you got to take me with you and it, it gave me a chuckle brother how about you yeah i think i think what keo said was the funniest because it kind of you know related to what i what i thought he actually said and he, the way he pops up is such a little like little brother thing like and the way both Rizzo and Judge kind of look back at him, like, oh man, little brother, he's he's behind us, like you know, like, <laughs> yeah. like, and, and just because he and he looks like he pops up and says, "Hey guys, don't forget about me." So the way Keo kind of like made the story in just one sentence, that's why that was that was my favorite. Not just the way they look back at him, but the way they look at each other. Like, obviously, they're looking at each other because the sun's glaring in their faces a little bit, but. Aside from all that, they look at each other with this face like, oh, great. We got to take him with us. So it just fit perfectly, man. Like, yeah, it was by far the best caption. Congrats, Keo. Excellent job by you. Um, on that note, my brother, let's uh, let's not leave the people waiting any longer. 
without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, here is our interview with Oakland Athletics correspondent and beat reporter Jessica Kleinschmidt. We hope you enjoy. Here it is. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome on Oakland Athletics reporter and correspondent Jessica Kleinschmidt. She's kind enough to join us for a few minutes. Jessica, how you doing? I'm good. How are y'all doing? Uh, we're great. Uh, doing good, doing good. Yankees are having a great season, so we can't complain. Um, how how are you? How are you? Uh, how's everything over in the Bay Area, Jessica? <laughs> I mean, well, the A's could be playing better, but we kind of went into the season knowing that there were going to be some struggles, of course, with the payroll situation and a lot of selling in the offseason. Um, and you guys obviously got a couple of our former players um, there on the pitching staff. So that's always good to see. But I think now that the trade deadline is come and gone, we kind of see a little bit more of an overview over the next few seasons with this team, a lot of young names that we're growing accustomed to and getting to know. So I think now that the shock is over, we're just kind of adjusting to the path that we have set forward over the next couple of seasons. That leads that kind of led to my first question for you. Um, besides last night's game, which was kind of uh, one-sided, um, what do you hope for in for the rest of the series and I guess just for the remainder of the season with all the kids you guys have now right now? Yeah, and you know, heading into spring training, my co-host uh, Chris Townsend said the A's term, the definition of the season, and I guess the word that would be used a lot would be opportunity. And if you just look at the transaction list, we're calling up a lot of young guys who may not have been ready. Well, they'll be ready, big league ready. David Forrest, A's general manager, made sure these guys would not be in the bigs if they weren't actually ready, but maybe not as quickly if they were with other organizations. So we're seeing guys that maybe their ETA wasn't going to be now, but perhaps in the future seasons, but they're able to get bumped up quite quickly. So as much as people want to bash on that situation, there are a lot of young guys that are envious of the A's that are being put in that situation who haven't gotten the call up, but they would in this organization. So right now it's about getting more exposure to big league pitching, um, getting more exposure out on the field and developing those skills in order for a successful future with some of those guys. In addition, you want to make sure that these guys stay healthy and they're, they're going through that maturation process at the end of the day. Yes. The, it was a one-sided game against the Yankees, but every single guy on that field is a big league ball player, whether you want to talk about experience or not. You saw what Aaron Judge did to your rookie who just went out there and made his MLB debut struggling at, on the mound. That happens no matter what team you play for. And we know the monetary values that are not attached to this A's team. However, we also know that we every single team, no matter what the scenario is, even if it's a Yankees team or you know the Braves who just have never had a cash flow issue, they're going to hit some bumps and bruises in the way. But this time we know it's going to happen. It's not a surprise. Last season when the A's didn't make it toward the playoffs as much, that playoff push, that was more a surprise than this time around. So it's about developing these players a little bit more. They're, I think, ranked in 17th in the farm system right now compared to previous seasons where they were in the 29th, 30th range because we made some of the of those transactions in the offseason and we still need that exposure and you're not going to get that exposure if they're not getting those at-bats, those plate appearances. We hear it all the time that some guys in the farm systems, 
needed a, more of a chance. And these guys get to do that. And we're not 100% worried about the wins and losses as much as we are as working on these individual players so they can succeed in the future. We talked about it last night on the broadcast. We want to make sure that these guys are ready for the time when the wild card is not so far-fetched to reach once again. And the guys that we did trade off, the Matt Chapmans of the world, Matt Olsons of the world, who did get their start with the A's, Lou Trevino as well, they know for a fact that their success wouldn't be as much of a success if it weren't for the A's. And so as much as they're excited to move on, they know they did learn a lot through the A's organization. And that's the the bread and butter of them. They they create these amazing, especially pitchers, and sell them off. That's unfor- that's the business of the overall business, you know, and the Yankees end up with a lot of former A's players because of that GM relationship. David Force is developing all these amazing relationships. And even interleague, he's doing a lot of these things, or interdivision, I should say, a lot of Rangers transactions and this and that. That's another example as well. The, the Rangers are spending a ton of money and they're struggling to a certain extent. So they're looking toward the future as well. The, the A's are just looking a little bit further ahead in the future. So as far as this season, let's just get through it. Let's get all those at-bats, all those opportunities. You want the specialty pitchers to work on those specialty pitches. Cole Irvin's doing a phenomenal job. He's able to take advantage of some of those opportunities without necessarily worried about that win-loss record. Speaking of pitchers, Jessica, that's the perfect segue to my question. Um, Tonight, we have Garrett Cole facing off against one of the key pieces we traded to you guys in the Frankie Montas deal and J.P. Sears. Uh, J.P. was a guy that we loved when he was here and deservedly so, as all he did was do his job and produce when given the opportunity to the tune of a 205 ERA, 15 strikeouts, five walks, a 189 ERA plus, a 317 FIP, and a 0.864 whip in seven games and two starts. What are your thoughts on JP so far as an Oakland athletic? You know, you mentioned the numbers and those pretty much speak for itself, but I spoke to A's manager, Mark Kotze, and he said, obviously the first person he reached out when they acquired Sears was going to be Aaron Boone. Now you mentioned all those strikeouts and that shows it's a small sample size. There wasn't a ton of exposure with the actual Yankees themselves, but he was just mowing them down in the minors also. And he works fast. He works fast. His command is insane. And what more do you want from a young pitcher? And this guy has very much, uh, military mentality because of his school as educational background and that's part of it and he's very professional and approachable but when it comes to the game he's so laser focused and I asked him you know Aaron Boone's giving you a lot of these compliments how does that make you feel and he said of course it's one of the best in the game but I know I'm going to be going up against my former team it doesn't matter how many games how many games you didn't play with the former organization there's always going to be a little bit more incentive Example last night, James Caprillion used to be on the Yankees and there was a little bit extra incentive there and he was struggled with walks. It's something he has been working on, but I would imagine it's a little bit more tough against your former organization. Kotze talked about that from his time during the, the White Sox, Red Sox, everything. That was a former organization and all of that. The Steven Vogt, of course, is one of our veteran catchers and he sung Sears praises. If there's somebody you want to get a compliment from, it's Steven Vogt. I mentioned the command, but he was also talking about weak contact. Another, another thing that's going to be beneficial. And I mentioned working fast. I know I keep mentioning that, but it's something I'm very fascinated by. And he 
even said it's helping his defenders as well. And I don't know if y'all are former athletes, but when I was playing, if I didn't have to think so much, I thrived and it helped the defensive guys. It helps the, the catcher as well with the game planning situation. And he has a really good slider as well. So he's pitching very, very well and getting compliments from one of the veterans of the league who not only is a solid catcher, but Stephen Vogt has a managerial mind and has seen every pitcher known to man, everybody from Madison Bumgarner to JP Sears, you know, so he's seen his share of young and older pitchers. And if you're going to need a compliment from a guy like that, especially a military, like working fast dude, what more can you want in a pitcher? Kind of sticking with that and, and JP, um, you know, Yankees and athletics, like we talked about earlier, made a trade at the deadline uh, earlier this month um, with Montas and, and Lou Trevino coming to the Yankees while, you know, the Yankees gave up Sears, Ken Waldachuk, Luis Medina, and, and Cooper Bowman. Um, I personally have seen all four of these guys at, at, at minor league camp or spring training. And uh, I, I know a lot of people are going to say I'm a prospect hugger in this sort of uh, respect, but you guys got a great haul in the end. And I'm, I was kind of, I was a little, upset seeing these guys go because I had seen them for the last couple seasons and can't and get years. attached around the trade deadline. I know, I know they it. get me every time they yeah. get me every time. Like I want the team to succeed, especially as a Yankee fan. But then you see the kids that you watch, you know, throughout the early years, early seasons, you know, get traded. Um, but from someone like you who has seen Frankie and Lou every day, what can you tell us about them and what should we expect? Well, first and foremost, any clubhouse who gets a Frankie Montas is a damn good clubhouse. And his thing was heading into spring training, you know, Sean and I immediately right off the bat got traded. So we knew it, it was looming. I knew it was going to be a selling season, but Frankie Montas, not just the, the A's main priority, but the MLB trade line priority period, we knew it was going to happen. And I was a little concerned about the distractions there because at the end of the day, he's one of the main trade targets but if he struggles he's not gonna maybe get as much return for it as as possible and he was fabulous I his velocity certainly is there we were a little nervous with some of those injuries heading into it and I know he's throwing the fastball a little bit more which was something that was interesting from to think about because as much as we loved his velocity everybody's throwing 100 plus 94 97 down I don't say down the middle for their fastballs but he was work, he wasn't working on his specialty pitches as much but when that cutter when that cutter is on it it makes you want to smack your mama it's just fantastic and it's gorgeous and when he when a guy like that can not only even out the velocity with some of those specialty pitches when like I said everybody's throwing high velocity right now he's fantastic so when you talk about a guy like that that haul is 100% worth it. I'm extremely biased because that man is fantastic. I love me some Frankie Montas. And we talked about it yesterday and he said, you know, it was it was a struggle to leave and all of that, but he in a way was really glad the trade finally happened to an extent where the team he went to wasn't so much of a big deal as the fact that, okay, it's done, it's over, let's stop talking about it. But I was very surprised about Lou Trevino. No offense, but I was like, there's no way that he's on the trade target because he was struggling so bad toward toward the end before he got traded. And he made this, this comment yesterday saying, the fans have always been good to me. And I'm like, Lou, you obviously don't see Twitter when you're on the mound because the fans are really struggling with, with what he was doing. To the point where you were holding your breath when we, when he would come out of the bullpen, but he was always very aware of that. 
And the thing that I asked him, I was, I said, do you believe in a change of scenery? Which I feel is a very journalism 101 question, but I asked Marlon's GM, Kim Ang, the exact same thing. So I don't feel as bad. And he said, you know what, during my rookie season, I couldn't care less about the change of scenery, scenery definition. But then as his time went on and years would pass and a lot of his teammates were going and succeeding and then it happened to him, he's like, you're damn right. I believe in a change of scenery. And I do too, whether it's a big fish, little pond scenario, little fish, big pond scenario, that type of thing. I'm a firm believer in it. Plus he's an East coast guy. And when and handling Yankee fans is one of the most difficult jobs in the industry. And like, no matter what you're doing, whether you're on the media, an athlete, New York athletes, that's tough. That's a really tough demographic and fan base to get around. And I made the joke with um, Martin Gallegos. He's the MLB.com A's beat reporter that um, we already wanted to hug Frankie. We just want everybody to be so nice to him because he's such a great human being, but that human, that nice human being really evens out with his nasty stuff. And so he's happy. Weird to see baby faced Frankie Montas, even weird to see, weirder to see baby faced Lou Trevino. I had no idea what happened underneath that beard. I didn't know what was going on, but you know, and they both got lost finding the visiting clubhouse. They had no idea that that part of the Coliseum even existed. So that was kind of fun, but at the end of the day, they're both very proud to be Yankees and rightfully so. And when it comes to Lou Trevino, one of the very few tenured guys with the team, it's very rare to have a guy on a team that long. And he was part of a lot. You know, we released Stephen Vo- or Stephen Piscotti. We released Elvis Andrews. We released, um, there was another guy. Oh, Jed Lowry, of course. And, you know, we knew the, the scope of what was going to happen. And he did too. So I think, you only had to talk about it for just just a slow little bit. And now they're, they're going for it. And Lou Trevino is looking like the old school Lou Trevino that fans loved to tweet about. So I'm really happy for the both of them. Speaking of Frankie Montas, uh, Jessica, he has a 7.32 ERA in four starts with the Yankees since being traded over, um, having a 53 ERA plus a 4.55 fit and a 1.576 whip. He's given up 16 runs during that span and, and has not gotten off to the start Yankee fans expected. We know, we, we, we get it that, you know, he dealt with the loss of his mother-in-law, you know, meeting his catcher the day of his start, you know, the morning of. Um, we get all that, but, you know, needless to say, there's, as you said, Yankee fans are difficult to win over, and there's certain Yankee fans on Twitter that are already, you know, jumping ship on the, Frankie. The, the Yankees were up eight to zero last night, and y'all were yelling at the at the guys for striking out. Up yeah. eight to zero. That's ruthless. Yeah. So yes, we know yeah. every. I don't want to call it an excuse. I couldn't imagine having to go out there and meet your catcher and do all that. But he went through that, you know, I mean, Sean Murphy was a rookie catcher at one point and he doesn't, he didn't ever played like it. Cause he had this really mature background and veteran presence about him. So I, I don't believe in that excuse. Um, and I'm not calling it necessarily a crappy excuse on his behalf. He certainly did lose his mother-in-law and we asked him about that. And he said it was more detrimental toward his wife and that's never going to be an excuse period. I'm a firm believer. If something's meant messing with you mentally, 
take all the time you need. That's not necessarily the case when you're a baseball player, you get three days, but that's, that is what it is. And I understand that. So for him, it's just an adjustment. You have to remember this guy battled a lot. He was, he got in trouble for steroids, which a lot of people forget about, and he was getting death threats and he made it through that. And yeah, like I said, he's one guy, like you just don't pick on him. You know, we all make mistakes when it comes to steroids. That's a whole different podcast. Y'all can invite me on covering Ramon Laureano and every, everything else, you know, um, uh, uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. I've talked to Jonathan Papelbon about that, all of that. So just stuff like that. So he's gone through some stuff and he's always made it out okay. As it comes to the numbers, I have no idea what's going on. I'm not around him as much as I used to be, but he is throwing that fastball. I mentioned a little bit, actually almost double than he, more than he was um, when he was with the ace. So maybe it's a confidence factor. And I know he was trying to work on that cutter. I want to say a couple months back, he was like, yeah, I'm trying to introduce it into my repertoire a little bit more. So I don't know if he's backing off of that. Cause my mentality would be like, try to keep it as simple as possible when you're going over to the Yankees. Like they saw something in you. I don't know hundred percent what the Yankees love about him. I feel like some of those numbers prior to what's going on right now speak for themselves. Um, and that could be it too. And remember his arm was still hurting. Think about a Matt Chapman who underwent hip surgery. That guy could not become the Matt Chapman defensively because he was kind of in his head about that injury. So that could be the thing too. Chris Davis went through it with his oblique injury. So maybe he's mentally trying to throw more fastballs because he's like, well, my shoulder, if I add all those specialty pitches and you have to like change it up a little bit, the way you throw it, that could be it as well, which is weird to me. I'm like, bro, you have these beautiful pitches, utilize them, but I don't know how his body's working. I don't know how his mentality is or what his trainers are telling him. I know Lou said that the Yankees pitching staff helped him with some of his grips. So maybe he needs to work on some of that stuff. Who knows, but it's a transition. However, it's also, you knew you were going to get traded. You knew for a fact that you were not going to be in Kelly green post August 2nd. Like that's not what was going to happen. So you knew that you had to get in the right mentality for that. So all those factors, sure. You can say it, but I really think he's a little bit insecure about that shoulder worried to execute some of those specialty pitches, which are his just like the, that's what separates him from everybody else. That's why he's a freaking New York Yankee right now. So I don't understand that, but I also can understand if he's utilizing those fastballs, stick to what, you know, don't get too cute with it. And that could be part of the reason as well, but time will tell. Thank you, Jessica. I just had to ask because we needed you to walk some Yankee fans off the ledge. We we did a poll recently. I'm not going to walk Twitter. anybody off the ledge. That's all you, if you are that crazy about a guy, go whatever. But I will say, I can promise you, you are not getting Frankie Montas that you, I don't say that you don't, that you deserve, but that he deserves to give you, he will be okay though. Just, I think he just needs a little bit more to shake some stuff off. The attention's no longer on him when you're sharing a pitching staff with Garrett Cole um, and tie on these things are not going to be a huge factor, but I think he can, the pressure is going to be gone soon, maybe even after this series. Cause I don't think we're not going to face him during this time around, um, which I, I think would have been nice. I would have liked to see if he was just more comfortable here again, if that's something you can actually outgrow. Cause we had Jesus Lazardo here too, and he shoved on the mound. So it just kind of those things that I was thinking about, but I mean, there's at this point, we just have to wait and see. Okay, good. Yeah, no, I, I was saying we did a poll recently on our on our Twitter. Uh, account Are you doing that... a poll about Montas? 
we did and fans are already calling him sunny gray 2.0 you know that's... what that's 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 the thing too we were just talking about it me and the pa announcer for the oakland a's amelia shimmel have a a podcast called last call where all podcasts are available if you want to download we were thinking about that too like sunny gray new york it was like who is this guy so these things happen you know change of scenery doesn't always work in your favor even though um the hall that we gave to to oakland is no longer part of our organization we talked about jp and cooper seems to be a couple years away from from making any sort of mlb debut uh i wanted to ask you because me and a bunch of other yankee fans are curious can you see a situation where ken waldachuk or luis medina maybe uh make their debut in in 2022 i'm in i mentioned amelia we kind of had this i don't want to say like competition but she was like i think waldachuk is gonna get up quicker than jp sears and it feels like no matter who got up it was going to be a scenario of it would be an okay it would be an okay situation i'm glad they brought sears up a little bit we needed more structure in that starting rotation but i also know that tomorrow could be a completely different we can call somebody up from double a it's just like a really interesting scenario um so i think waldachuk is definitely a possibility especially with the way that our pitching has been um as far as kiprillian goes you want to talk about an up and down season for him he is struggling with walks and um and as far as waldachuk goes i know he's got some good play on his fastball and that's great but i don't really know what the a's are looking for as far as if we're not going to be paying attention to all those wins and losses, what exactly exposure we want to get. And if he's got that strong fastball, we want to see how it does against big league pitchers. So that's definitely a possibility. And I do some broadcasting with the Reno aces who of course play the aviators a bunch and people love them some wall to Chuck. And I know he's, when it comes to the AAA outings, these guys aren't going full um, nine innings and that's normal. I think that's actually universal, but they're also being cut off at a certain rate. I don't know if it's a front office situation because AAA is always kind of finicky for me, um, but I wouldn't be too, uh, surprised if we see um, Waldachuk. I don't know. I don't know an ETA on him, but we do love us some swing and misses and he's really good with that. But I also know that I don't know much about Medina However, I know adding him could be great. I just, I think we're good on catchers for a little bit. So as long as we're paying attention to some of these pitchers and these position players moving up and down is one thing, but I don't, it, it's a bizarre season. I think anybody could make their major league. I think everybody's going to make their major league debut this season. We've set records for that. I think a year or a month or two ago, we were at 10, 11 rookies that made their debut and to the point where it's like not fun or cute to me anymore. Like it's my favorite thing when like when Shay Langlears gets his first home run at the Coliseum, cool. But I've seen like 20 of them this season. So it's kind of, I'm kind of getting used to it. It's not like warm and fuzzy for me anymore. Um, and for Waldachuk, he has some, some impressive movement on that ball. I think I want to say somebody low-key mentioned a Lazardo comp because I know Lazardo, his fastball, before he found some command on it this season, had some um, interesting movement to it. And some of that movement, of course, sounds great, right? But if you can't control that with that command, that can screw you over. I would not be surprised if we saw Waldachuk um, coming up so that way we can fulfill your little, your prospect dreams and make that all come true. A, 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 a dream come true he would not have with any other organization. Yeah, definitely. I, I think... He 
it, it would have been a, a lot harder for him and a lot of our prospects to make it on our team. I think this is probably the easiest. I'm looking at Waldachuk now. He has a pretty impressive repertoire. Oh yeah, that's yeah. why I'm 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 saying I'm asking you because like he's he, like a box of chocolates. Yeah, I don't I don't I haven't done that much research to be completely honest. Um, oh, he's incredible. He uh, was. The I was I was heartbroken were... to see him. Yeah, exactly. I, I will say he, he definitely got we upset about letting go. Yeah, I will say though, because when I the reason why Sears was my guy was just because I had like insider sources watching him in AAA, but the outside people were very much like Waldachuk, 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 and it's like a name that you don't. I guess he was the headline return. I obviously got attached to Sears very quickly, but he, they were calling him the headline return. Um, oh yeah, lefty. Totally forgot about that. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to to change up that um, scenario a little bit. Um, I just hope I'll make sure he gets a little bit of extra oomph. Maybe I'll put like a banner in the clubhouse for him or something. Cause I don't want it. I don't want these things to be taken away from them. What do you think of, of the job Mark Kotze has done as, as his first season as manager of the Oakland A's, despite being 46 and 80 and having to manage a young rebuilding team, do you think he's the long-term fit in Oakland? Um, you know, he came into this job knowing what he was going to get. And I remember I was hosting the pre and post game show on the radio a few weeks back. And somebody goes, this manager's on the hot seat. This seat has never been more cold. I've never seen a manager who has more job security in my life. And, and I think the reason why is because he was with the organization, not just as a player, but of course, a quality control coach and the third base coach. I feel like those three, three, those three things make a phenomenal manager. And it's interesting because you look at Kotze's baseball reference page and it's not filled with all these accolades, but 17 years in the, in the game. And I mentioned Papelbon earlier, they were former teammates and Pap said, I was not surprised that Kotze got the managerial job because he's competitive, which is interesting because when you have that record and you think of a competitive guy, he must be struggling. But I also know that heading into it, the reason why Bob Melvin did not return is because Bo Mel knew he had to go elsewhere if he wanted to get his ring. So Kotze didn't go into it thinking like, we're going to win 162 games. He, the front office let him know where, you know, there's going to be some payroll cuts. There's going to be a lot of young names. You're not going to know a damn thing about, but you're going to have to adjust. And I've been kind of impressed with just the way that he's handling those abilities because every single day it's a new lineup. And I don't mean that from an, an obvious, an obvious I guess, definition, because every day it's a new lineup, but this guy, you have Tony Kemp one day batting lead off the next day, he's batting six in left field. And then he was in second, playing second base the day prior. And you don't know about a lot about these guys because they just made their major league debut the day before. So he's doing everything he possibly could with the monetary value he was given with the background he was told about all these scouting reports he possibly could. And I don't want people to think that we're giving these guys, we're just putting them out in the field because it's the A's way. Like I said, A's GM, David Force said, I'm not going to have a guy go out there if he's not major league ready, at least for the most part. I mean, think about the Yankee guy yesterday. I mean, you think you're ready from all your experience, but we've all had a really crappy first day of work. Those things happen. You learn from that. You guys had technical difficulties today. You guys learn from that, right? So it's just those things that take place. And I feel like for him, he has the best job in the world. You know how many times he gets to tell somebody they're making their major league debut? That's dope. 
And he said it never, it never escapes him. These opportunities he's giving these guys, you know, and he, he still has a phenomenal player in Ramon Laureano who is manning center field sometimes, which Mark Kotze manned that exact center field. And you want to talk about a freak athlete. He's Kotze was told to slow down. He's telling Ramon the exact same thing. Kotze didn't listen because this guy had two back surgeries, but he knows what a competitive nature every single guy is. And that's just not on the field. That's not just in the dugout. That's the front office forced his very much expressed his frustrations with this record. But like I said, you know what you were getting going into it. So nobody's questioning Kotze's abilities as far as the overall managerial role. Some of his bullpen um, situations have been interesting. He does have Brad Osmus as his bench coach, which is a great, wonderful source to have. And of course, when Kotze's ejected or he's taking leave, Osmus steps up because he's got his own managerial experience as well. Um, and they, there's little elements that you keep perfecting those little elements. You eventually get a really good baseball team. These guys are good players. It's difficult to kind of put that product out on the field, especially with, like I said, all those situations working against them and moving forward. We don't know the situation of the ballpark quite yet. And that's, that, that's the big cloud raining over their head. And it's the one situation that no other club is dealing with in the league. And, you know, we know the money situation. I can tell you that until I'm blue in the face, but he's, he's doing as good of a job as he possibly could with the resources he's been provided. Uh, I have to he's ask not on the hot seat though. I'm so sick. Okay. Of <laughs> I'm so people sick of people on Twitter. Like, wow. I'm like, well, look at Tori Lavulo. He keeps getting extensions. You know what I mean? And, uh, you have a guy like, you know, Philly's guy fired you have angels getting fired because all the mon mon money they invested rangers look at that all the money they invested half of a billion dollars in the off season and the wins came too late that's why woodward was fired so it's not like they if you're not going to invest a ton of money and you're wondering why the manager isn't winning games we know why the manager isn't winning games it just is what it is it's a it's a hopefully a bright future for you guys and i, I i'm it's going to hurt a little bit, but I have to do it because it's a long list. But, <laughs> you know, moving on from guys like, you know, Matt Olson, Chapman, Chris Bassett, Shoman Naya, Mark Hanna, Starling Marte, Jesus, uh, Jesus Lazardo, I think I'm pronouncing that right, Josh Harrison, Frankie Montes, Lou Trevino, and then obviously just recently getting rid of Stephen Piscotti, Elvis Andrews, and Jed Lowry. Did you what mention Chris you... Bassett too? Yes, I did. Okay. Um, what What's something you could say – well, I've – it's kind of like a two-parter. One, what do you see as the future for Sean Murphy, who's already been such a trade? You know, so many teams have wanted him and have asked for him. Yeah, David Force will not get rid of Sean Murphy. He loves Sean Murphy too much. And this is from an organization that is obsessed with catchers. Like the other day, I think we had three or four catchers in the starting lineup. And you have to think about that perspective. You, I feel like we do not give catchers any extra credit that they're deserved. And that has a lot to do with the fact you not just have a catcher behind the dish. You have a future manager. You have an amazing game planner. So even if they're struggling at the plate, you have a guy like Yadi or Molina who's still going to make daddy money because you know what that, that, that positive that it brings to the team. He has so much power. And you mentioned the trade piece. They were always, they, everybody was open to discussion, but I can promise you the front office is so in love with Sean Murphy. They wouldn't necessarily do that. But at the same time, the, but like, did you say passing over? What was the term you used as far as these guys? 
passing over or letting go. I was saying like, moving on from. Moving on from. There's certain, I don't 100% believe in that term necessarily. The A's did offer a fat extension. Well, in my eyes, a fat extension for Matt Chapman, except when you're a Boris client, there's no such thing as a fat extension. Um, and Matt, Matt Chapman wanted that new ballpark. And if it does happen, well, it's, if it does happen, it will. But when it does happen, it wasn't at the time that he wanted it. And he saw the future that was going on. Matt Olson was not going to stay with the A's. We know that he, this was the most beautiful this had it lined up with God that he went back to the, to the, his hometown and all of that. Mark Canna, that was a big question mark for me too. Chris Bassett was not surprised he got traded. Marcus Simeon, they gave him an, a unique extension and that didn't work out um, and all of that. So it, it wasn't necessarily moving on from these guys individually. We just have a certain scenario that we're putting a different type of product on the field. And it's a rebuilding stage. We just, we're not just rebuilding them, we're rebuilding from the stubs. And that was, that was what it was heading into the, to the season. It's all about the future. It's all about opportunity and all of that. So moving on, if you want to call it that, sure. But we are moving on from that aspect in that point of time. And so we, but we know the product we have right now. So you're not offending me by any means. That team last season was one of my all-time favorite teams ever. I think that the A's did the best trade line acquisition of all the teams, getting Starling Marte, getting um, Jan Gomes, you mentioned Josh Harrison. Um, and they kind of, they knew that heading into it, you know, and some of these, you know, releasing, you know, the releasing of Elvis Andrews. That hurt me personally because the guy definitely is a veteran presence. I talked to Vimeyel Machine, who's our third baseman, Latino guy. He had to say goodbye to one of his brothers, including Frankie Montas. Like that's the business, you know, but every single one of those guys knew that heading into it. So we all were in shock as some of these trades took place, but that's just kind of the future of the A's. We're giving these new guys a lot of, you know, opportunities and it's really the MO of the A's. You know, we, we look at a guy, we see something that nobody else has. Look at Cole Irvin. He was a waiver pickup and now he's shoving and from the Phillies. And we see that in a lot of guys and that's no different from any other organization. You have a guy who's you give a fat extension to, and he doesn't work out. You know, Julio Rodriguez is getting a huge extension after playing barely a, a season with the Mariners. That's a gamble. What else is that besides a gamble and some of these other guys, this just happens to be lower monetary value. So you're right. If you put it on the list, like, damn, that's a lot of guys that we used to have, but when we had them, we loved it. That actually just really quickly, I, I wanted to ask like, so if, you know, an Oakland fan, an Oakland A's fan is hearing this right now, what, what can you say to them to like reassure them that, you know, it's hard right now, but it will, be better in the future <laughs> you have to look at I know you want to think of the bigger picture but we don't have time to think of the bigger picture right now we have to look at these individual performances of the guy and I think that actually is going to help a baseball fan become a baseball fan again you know like I think of like the Jonah Brides of the world who if I casually say that name people aren't going to know who that is but the guy was a 23rd round pick and now he's got amazing bat to ball skills and he's doing phenomenal job in the infield for the A's and you want to talk about if he gets more opportunity, he's going to be phenomenal. Nick Allen's the, our future shortstop for a long while being compared to Bobby Crosby, who 
is this former manager with the AA um, affiliate with the A's. Uh, you mentioned, mentioned Sean Murphy. The guy is one of the best catchers I've ever seen. Shea Langliers, Shea Bangliers, I should say. That guy's phenomenal. He was part of that Matt Olson trade. Christian Pache, when he gets more, when he gets more confident in AAA and he gets up, he's going to be probably one of the most rock star superstar players out there. You know, JP Sears, phenomenal. Cole Irvin's riding the wave right now. Our bullpen, even after lo losing Lou Trevino, there's still signs of improvement. Sam Mole's having a terrible August, but those numbers before indicate something. And, you know, you have to look at these bits and pieces that you want to talk money ball. Sure. It's no different than any other aspect. A lot of people are using that money ball mentality. It's no different than you know, the Packers using Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's crazy. It's weird, but people find success in it in bits and pieces. It's hard to watch sometimes because it's erratic and it's fast, but there's little bits and pieces that work for them. And, you know, you, you talk to the front office about it and they see things in these players that work. And it may take a while to show that off. We had to wait a year for Cole Irvin, a year and a half for Cole Irvin to show what he was capable of. And look at Montas. You know, we had to wait a little bit for after he came back from his injury to make sure he was okay. And Chapman struggled a little bit with the A's at one point too, but look at him with the Blue Jays. Like we, we see things and we, we can sell that to a guy and say like, I swear he's going to be phenomenal for you next season. Give me a few of your prospects. And you develop those relationships with the GMs. They see something too. You know, look at the, the, the Starling Marte for Lozardo deal. It was a phenomenal deal. And, you know, and the A's were very smart about heading toward the playoffs. You can't argue with me that that wasn't a good trade for them as far as then and now, but every single team goes through it, you know, and our front office, they've been together for 24, 25 years, Billy Bean and David Forst, and they've made the playoffs. They've won world series in the past. It's a weird, you know, overview right now. And people are extending people left and right. It's just not in the A's MO. So if you're an A's fan, you know that. We're not going to be offering a fat extension for some of these guys because that's just not what we do. So it's, you have to live for now and understand and fall in love with the players individually. I mean, we know, we know the win loss record. Just don't look at it. We just know, we just know what's going on right now. Live in the moment, come to a game, have some fun. And we're going to have to see what happens, but right now it sucks but look at some of the numbers that these guys are putting up and dig a little bit deeper. It's not just a batting average. You know what I mean? So. Jessica, this will be my final question and the final question from both of us. Um, as I said before, thank you for coming on with us and taking the time. You mentioned Moneyball and Billy Bean. It's actually the perfect segue to the question I wanted to ask you. I wanted to end this on a fun note. Um, as someone who lives in the Bay Area and covers the team, I'm sure you saw the movie Moneyball as most of us have um great movie in my opinion um what are your thoughts specifically on the movie and do you think it correctly depicts Billy Bean like do you think Brad Pitt did a good job playing no. him what do you no, think no, of no. the movie I mean no the, first of all Art Howe is a precious baby angel and they made him look like a butthead which I don't appreciate um and I I, I know Scott Hatterberg and I think Pratt did a good rendition of him as far as being polite and sweet he's a really nice guy um not as insecure as pratt portrayed him um you did not have to buy sodas you can get your own soda for free in the clubhouse i talked to hatterberg about that um billy bean 
the the real person, not the Brad Pitt, is a lot more tame. I don't think. I mean, I've never really watched Billy Bean in real life do any of these transactions. I'm, I work with Forrest mainly, um, but some of those things were not correct. And you know, I know FP Senior, FP Santangelo Senior, who was part of that era. He was actually, they showed a clip of him in the movie and they said it was just a little bit exaggerated. So he hates watching that movie because it wasn't hundred percent true. And then Hatterberg went in for Eric Burns for that, you know, money ball moment. And um, they made it a little bit more dramatic because Burns and I have a show together and Burns was like, yeah, they're like, hey, you're going in for Burnsy. And it wasn't like Burnsy was like, I can't believe you're going in for me. Like Hatterberg did like a pinch hit scenario because he played in 130 baseball games. They'd be like, if you ask Pinder to go in, and be clutch. It was no different than that. Um, but they had Papa, Greg Papa in the movie, um, becoming the, uh, you know, the guy who, um, did the A's games back in the day, the Coliseum lit up. And that was definitely something that still stands. I know we're not getting a ton of fans right now, but it's always electric at the Coliseum. So those are the main factors, but a majority of it, when I asked the players, um, the situation, it's not true. However, we do have the reunion team coming to the Coliseum this weekend. So Hadeberg will be there. Tejada is going to be there. Eric Burns is going to be there. Um, Eric Chavez, he won't be there, but he'll, he also made the A's hall of fame. He'll be here in September for the Mets when the Mets come to town. That means Bassett, Cannon, Marte also are coming to town, which is really cool. Um, so overall, it was a little bit dramatic for the situation, but I will agree. It's a damn good movie. When the lockout happened, I watched it just to like feel something. Um, but overall, beautiful movie. It was great, but there obviously you have to dr drama, like add some drama into a movie if you want to make it sell. Uh, well, on that note, Jessica, thank you. Thank you for coming on with us and thank you. Yeah, of course. No problem. Thanks for having me. Um, at this time, we usually give guests a chance to tell people where they can find them, you know, find their work. Uh, do you want to give people your socials and where they can find your work? Yeah, my Twitter is um, at KleinschmidtJD and my Instagram is Jessica Kleinschmidt. I post all of my content there and also check out our podcast with me and Amelia Schimmel. Last call on all podcast platforms. I'm also on A's cast um, on the pre and post game shows on the radio, all on iHeartRadio. That's the main way to do it. It's also through MLB.com slash athletics. All of my stuff is there. Um, if you can't track me down, I don't know what to tell you guys. I just don't. There's just Google it and you'll find it. And if you need help with that, I would be happy to provide a tutorial for you. Well, awesome. we definitely recommend for fans to to do exactly that and find you. You're you're a great follow. Um, I know my partner wanted to say something really quick. Sorry. Nah, I just I just wanted to say thank you. You know, I I really appreciate it. I know it's been difficult to get a hold of you and stuff, and I know we're we're taking up a lot of your time. But again, just thank you so much, and you know, wish the best for you and obviously the Oakland Athletics in the future. Thank you so much. So on that note, uh, from me. Sean and special guest correspondent and reporter for the Oakland Athletics, Jessica Kleinschmidt. We wish you guys adieu and go Yanks. <laughs>